This is what we call the Animation Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things animation brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Matt Brunet, but some of you may know me as Animat from my YouTube channel, Electric Dragon 505, home of web series that are all about animation, including animation lookback and Animat's reviews. Now, if this is your first time here in the Animation Podcast, you are here for an insane episode. And before I begin listing you what's going to be happening in this episode in particular, I just got to say that this has been an insane week for movie news for some reason or another. Well, specifically because this week it was actually CinemaCon and that's pretty much the time when big movie companies would just come in and they would reveal a lot of what is going to be happening in the future, like in 2019 and some stuff that's happening this year. But... Mainly the big thing is that there have been so many movie news and so many animation news that sometimes it's just like too much to process. And to top it all off, this week is the release of what is sure to be the biggest movie of the year, Avengers Infinity War. So yeah, I've pretty much got like movie news up the wazoo. But specifically with animation news, it actually is not that easy to go and select five movies, uh, or five movie news, or animation news actually, to go and highlight what to discuss. But after some thought and after looking into what would seem like people would be very interested to hear me talk about, I decided to go and narrow it down to the big five. So, in this episode in particular, I'm gonna go and start things off by looking into possibly the most unexpected sequel that will be coming out. Then afterwards, we will be talking about the brand new trailer that came out this week, and no, I am not referring to Venom. Then afterwards, we will be looking at a certain movie called Film 5, or at least that's what it's called for now. Then afterwards, we will be looking into Hank Azaria's side, into the big controversy that is going on. And then finally, we will end things off with Animat's Pick of the Week. Now, if you want to check out more episodes of the Animation Podcast, then all you got to do is just go and head on down to Filmbook. And if you don't know how to write it, it is simply just film and then dash and then book and then dot and then com. And then all you have to do afterwards is just go and search for the Animation Podcast. You can also email us at podcast at filmbook.com with the Animation Podcast in the subject line. And for our first story that we have for you guys this week... Honestly, it is the most unexpected animation news that just came right out of nowhere and immediately put itself up as the biggest one that really caught everyone's attention. Like, even when I first saw it, I was like, wait, what? Is this for real? Is this actually happening? Because let's be honest, I don't think anybody would ever expect that there would be a follow-up to this movie. Especially after 20 years after its release. And what I am talking about, of course, is going to be Ardman Animation's animated classic, Chicken Run. Or I mean, like, it is almost 20 years old. Is it at the point where we can call it a classic now? But anyways, the big thing is that Ardman Animation has officially announced that they are going to be working on a sequel to their first animated feature that they created, Chicken Run. Now, the big thing with it is that there are no details about what's going to be in the movie, so we don't really know what the plot is going to be about, we don't know who is going to be among the cast, like, we don't really know, there is no official word if either, like, Timothy uh, Timothy Spall or Mel Gibson are going to be returning in the cast, 
but what we do know is actually going to be who's going to be involved with this project. Uh, so far, in terms of the people that are going to be working in there, or at least the companies first off, uh, we know that the financers are going to be Studio Canal and also Pate, where Armin Animation, of course, they're going to be working on it. As for who specifically will be working there in terms of the people, uh, one thing I will start off by saying right now is that the original director of the film, Nick Park, is nowhere to be seen. There is no confirmation on how Nick Park could actually be involved with the project. Maybe he'll come in as a producer, but there's uh, no word on where he's going to be in the production so far. But it is said that Sam Fell, uh, who actually did work with Ardman as a director of the 2006 movie Flushed Away, and his last directorial work was actually the 2012 Leica movie Paranorman, uh, he is actually going to be the director of this project. And of course, there's also going to be uh, Carrie Kirkpatrick, who actually was the original writer of Chicken Run, he's actually going to be coming back along with uh, John O'Farrell, uh, who are going to be grouped together to go and work on the script. In terms of the producers, they do have uh, Paul Cooley uh, and also the Armin co-founders Peter Lord and David Sproxton. Now, in terms of when they are actually going to be making it, now, there is no confirmation regarding when this movie is actually going to be released, but Ardman also did confirm that they will immediately start working on Chicken Run 2 right after they finish making the current movie that they have, and coincidentally enough, that one is actually another sequel to one of their previous films, which is Shaun the Sheep Movie, where the movie in here is actually called Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon. So, after that one, they'll go and immediately work on Chicken Run 2. And as uh, as for the release date, it'll most likely be coming out sometime, like either in 2020, like at the earliest, or maybe even 2021 or 2022. So it's around that time. So that's pretty much the big news that is going on right now, is the fact that Ardman is actually going to be making a sequel to Chicken Run after 20 years after the original. And when I first saw this news, it honestly blew me away. I wasn't prepared to expect this. I know this was a week where we had tons of movie news, but I didn't think that this would be one of them. I first saw it when I was just scrolling along and just, uh, you know, minding my own business on social media. And I saw this, I was like, wait, what? 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 That's going to be a thing? What? This is real? A, a chicken Run 2? What? Is it really? We're going to get more Chicken Run? And like, I was just in complete shock. And I'll just say this right now, that I love the original Chicken Run. I definitely do agree that it is one of the most revolutionary and one of the best stop-motion animated features out there. Uh, the, the scale of the entire movie, it just makes it feel so grand. It's a highly creative story. It's a lot of fun to watch. The execution of it is just definitely great. I know there might be a few cliches in there, but I love their own spin that they would go and put into this. Uh, the characters are enjoyable. The jokes are great. It's just, this is really uh, one of the most fun prison break movies that there is out there. And of course, 
It also set a lot of records and a lot of historical significance as well. For those of you who don't know, you'll find that there are many people who would actually say that Chicken Run is the biggest stop motion movie of all time currently. And the reason why they would say that is because this is actually, right now, the highest grossing stop motion animated feature of all time, where it made a total of $225 million at the box office. And on top of that, uh, there are also many people, including myself, who would actually claim that this is the movie that is responsible why the Academy Awards actually has the category of Best Animated Feature. Where I remember when I did my research uh, doing Chicken Run and talking about his history, where it tried very hard in order to get that nomination for Best Picture, but sadly it didn't make it, but uh, the board members of the Academy and all the people who saw it and all the Academy members, uh, they felt like, you know, it really did try hard and it, and it did the best it could. And it was the kind of movie that definitely did deserve an Oscar, at least for its own right. So they decided to go and create the category of best animated feature so that movies like Chicken Run would not be overlooked and would actually be rewarded for their great efforts. So that's pretty much the big thing with Chicken Run, and yeah, definitely I am a big fan of a big fan of the movie. Definitely a lot of fun to watch. And so when I saw this news, of course, I freaked out. I was like, like completely shocked, and uh, I, I guess I was fanboying a bit. It's like, oh my god, we're gonna get more Chicken Run. I was not prepared for this moment, but then. I washed off a bit of the shock, you know, tried to get rid of that so that I can think a little more clearly about this news in particular about getting a chicken run too. So that, okay, now that it kind of registered in my head that we are going to get another chicken run, there is one big question in my mind that I think about regarding this. And I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Do we really need another Chicken Run. Do we need a sequel to Chicken Run is all I'm asking. Because I'll be honest, you know, the more that I think about it, the more that I don't understand why we would need another, another Chicken Run. Because yeah, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Chicken Run. I love the movie so much. It's definitely great. But it's not necessarily the kind of film that I think that, okay, we need another one. We need to see more adventures with these chickens. You know, it's not really that kind of thing because when you think about the movie, it's really built very well, but it's made to be its own thing. Because you think about it, this movie is made to be just that one movie and that's it. It's not really the kind that is made to be like really open to go and... Um, explore into other ideas, see where, uh, what other directions can you take with these characters? Because it's made to be this prison break movie where chickens don't want to become pies and they gotta get, uh, they gotta go and find a way to get out of the chicken coop. That's pretty much the big mission that is going on with this movie. So it's made to go and be its own thing. It's not made to go and expand into other places. You know, it's not necessarily like Shaun the Sheep or Wallace and Gromit where you can go and create an entire franchise out of it. So really, it's hard to really imagine what else they can go and do 
with another chicken run movie are the chickens just going to suddenly be caught in another chicken coop or are, are they going to be in another situation where they're in peril to become like pies or something like that it's just i don't really see the re i, I like i i don't really know how they can expand the world of chicken run and on top of that i don't really see the reason why we need another chicken run Especially the fact that, like I said before, like, the movie was released back in 2000, and at this point, like, as I am recording this right now, it's already of legal age. Like, in Canada, it can actually go ahead and drink whatever it wants. So, really, it, it, Chicken Run is pretty much in the category right now where some people could actually say that Chicken Run is nostalgic to them. Like, it would count as an actual nostalgic movie. So, making a movie after 18 years? It just doesn't really make sense. But then again, some people could actually do argue that, well, we do actually live in an age where sequels and franchises are starting to become a lot more common. And not only that, but we are starting to see a lot more sequels to movies that just don't need sequels. Like, we're pretty much seeing sequels that nobody asked for. You know, we're we're starting to see things pop up like Nutjob 2, Hotel Transylvania 3, Ice Age 5, uh, Sherlock Gnomes, and all that kind of stuff. Do people really want more adventures with these characters? Not really, but yet, here it is, and it somehow exists. And I guess Chicken Run can fit in that category. But then again... When you do look into the circumstances, the fact that right now, after almost 20 years after the original, Armin decided that now it is a good time to go and do a sequel to Chicken Run. And at this point, I just gotta say that there really is a lot that is running with this sequel. Because people are really gonna have a lot of high hopes. Because if you are going to make a sequel to Chicken Run, after 20 years that the original was released, then you better have an amazing idea. You better have an idea that is just so crazy, that is just purely genius to the point that you gotta make a follow-up. You gotta revive these characters in order to make another chicken run. There better be a godforsaken great reason why you are making a chicken run too, especially at this point right now and honestly from there there's going to be a lot of pressure running into it because again you look back at a uh, chicken run and that one is a highly acclaimed stop-motion animated feature this is really one of those movies that really put Ardman animation on the map like right up there with Wallace and Gromit and stuff like that so really they would have to pull off something amazing. If this movie even turns out something that is a little bit subpar to the Ardman standards, like, if this thing came out, uh, like, it pretty much got the same results as something like Early Man, then there's gonna be a lot of disappointment. There's gonna be, like, a lot of anger and a lot of backlash that's gonna be towards Ardman that they didn't make something amazing with Chicken Run, and... It just seems like a poor excuse to go and create a sequel. So yeah, honestly, at this point, there really is a lot that's going to be running 
with this sequel. Maybe it's going to work out, maybe it's not, but honestly, I better hope that they do have a great idea with this. Otherwise, it would just seem like a really pointless move to go and bring back Chicken Run. Now, maybe you guys would think that it is a great idea to actually bring back Chicken Run. Maybe you guys are excited. Um, you know, you can leave your thoughts about what do you think about this whole idea about Chicken Run 2. But for me, I just feel like... I really don't know. I'm just drawing a blank in terms of what else they can do for making a Chicken Run 2. And also, I'm drawing a blank on why is it that we need a Chicken Run 2. It just feels right now like it's an unnecessary sequel. So, is it going to work? Is it not? I guess for now, we'll just have to go and wait and see. But uh, I will say right now, though, that... Um, it won't be until a few years later that we're going to see it out in theaters. Like I said before, it's going to be coming out, I'm expecting at the very least, at the earliest, maybe sometime in late 2020 or in 2021. At the latest, maybe we'll see it in 2022. But we know that after Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon, they are going to go and work on Chicken, one, on, uh, chicken Run. So... Let's just see what happens, and I, honestly, the most optimistic thing that you could say about it is just, uh, we wish our men the best of luck with what they can do with, uh, Chicken Run 2! Okay, so let's move on to our next story right over here, and we're actually gonna go into a smooth transition. Because we just discussed about a movie in which uh, Karen Kirkpatrick is actually going to be working on, where uh, Kirkpatrick is actually going to be a writer for Chicken Run 2. But now let's go ahead and discuss another movie that he is going to work on. In fact, it's actually going to be released this year, where he is actually going to be the director of an upcoming animated film from Warner Animation Group, which is Smallfoot. Yes, while many people out there this week have pretty much been discussing about Sony's Venom, which right now has been getting a lot of mixed reactions, where some people were really amazed by uh, finally actually seeing Venom, where on the other hand, it still looks like a stupid generic movie, and there's still a strong chance that Sony is really going to screw that up. Uh, Warner Brothers, on the side, they actually released their own trailer, which in this case is actually Smallfoot. And from what we have seen right over here, uh, the story is actually about a Yeti, which uh, the main guy is actually voiced by Channing Tatum, where he was pretty much freaked out because he actually saw a human being. Because the concept of this whole movie is that you take the myth and turn it into his head where now we see the world of yetis and they don't really believe in what they call as smallfoots where smallfoots are actually human beings now going back into the story channing tatum he actually saw a human and he's freaking out going into the yeti village saying that oh my god i saw a human i saw a smallfoot and not many people really believe them uh, and then uh channing tatum would actually go and uh, meet up with this secret organization where it has some of his friends where they actually do believe in Smallfoot and they would go and collect some artifacts 
and stuff like that. Now, this isn't really enough for the Chatting Tatum Yeti. So he decided to go and try to investigate a little bit more by jumping off the top of uh, the mountain in which all the Yetis reside and go down into the human world to see if humans would actually exist. And that's pretty much the whole plot that we got right now. And in the trailer, it pretty much highlights uh, that this is really going to be more of a comedy where this is going to be uh, a little bit similar like what we have witnessed with stuff like uh, like with uh, Warner Brothers' last original animated film that's not Lego related with Storks where it's really going to emphasize more on uh, slapstick family friendly comedy and then uh, on top of that they also do highlight many of the big celebrities that are going to be in there. Um, I do have a list in here from Deadline where it does mention a lot of the many different uh, celebrities that are going to be lending their voice here. I've already mentioned Channing Tatum, but this one will also include James Corden, Zendaya, Common, LeBron James, uh, Gina Rodriguez, Danny DeVito, Yara Shahidi, uh, Ellie Henry, and Jimmy Tetro. So they're all going to be voicing humans and yetis onto this movie. And my reaction in this Smallfoot trailer, I gotta admit, it's a little bit like uh, the Venom trailer, or maybe a little bit more positive than the Venom trailer, where I feel like this is pretty much mixed, where I can see some of the potential where this can be an amusing animated feature, but I also do see a lot of the problems with it. And I just want to go ahead and start things off by mentioning my biggest issue that I see in this trailer. I've mentioned this before, but honestly, it, it feels ridiculous in a way because some could perceive it as just a small nitpick, but really, it make it, it's like a small detail that makes a huge problem that really messes up with the animation, and that is with the character's eyes. Honestly, like now seeing the characters in action, it, it's just really unpleasant just looking at how these characters' eyes are like, they're so small and they're like really skinny ovals and just so squished up together. It just really looks unappealing. Like just watching the trailer alone, I was almost tempted to watch the rest of it without my glasses because the eyes are just so unappealing to watch. And I'll probably mention this by the time uh, I'll do a review of it if this problem really is prominent, but if there's any part of the body that you must never screw up when drawing a character, it should never be the eyes because it'll be the first thing that people will notice. And the fact that they really did screw up the eyes is just, ugh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh my God. And the worst thing is, is that I'm looking at the rest of the animation and it actually does look pretty good. Um, I do like how the Yeti village is actually built up. Uh, I do like uh, the textures that they have in there. And I would say that even the character animation is pretty fine. I will say that you could tell that there is a little bit of a hint of, um, of some Hotel Transylvania in there. Now, like, it's not going 
all-out Hotel Transylvania where the computer animation is just trying to emulate a cheap Saturday morning cartoon, but you could tell that there is a little bit of an, an, an influence in terms of the character design and also some of the animation where it goes a little bit cartoony in order to execute some of its slapstick. But really, it's just looking at it, like, I really do admire a lot of the work. It's just that one small detail that they screwed up, and it's probably the most important detail that they really screwed up. It's just the eyes are absolutely disgusting. And in fact, like, one of the most unpleasant scenes is, like, when you look at the flashback when, um, uh, who was it? Like, when the chatting Tatum Yeti would go and encounter, uh, like, a small foot. Like, he actually sees a human for the first time, and then you see... The pilot, like, it, it was actually a pilot that came down and crashed onto the mountain. And you actually see a close-up of his, of his face, like, just screaming screaming and reacting to the Yeti. And it's just his eyes are way too close together. They're just so unappealing. And it's just like, how can you guys mess that up? How can a group of hundreds of animators can look at this and think that this is okay? I mean, seriously. Like, can, can you just not make a small revision and just fix up those eyes? Like, seriously, it, it's just, it really is problematic there. But anyways, uh, okay, so th that's just my little rant onto the animation of this. But I will also mention, uh, related to the humor in this, and I will say that in terms of, like, what is written, that what we see in the trailer, I, I feel like it's a little bit of... A mix really like I'm not expecting that this is gonna turn out to be one of the best animated films of the year but I feel like at best this could actually come out as something similar to Storks where it won't have much in terms of story and character development and all that stuff but it is going to have a lot of funny moments like at least there'll be some parts where it can actually I, I, I can actually go and get a good laugh and uh, there are some parts, I will admit, that are actually pretty funny. I think my favorite moment would actually be when the Chatting Tatum Yeti decided to go and jump off the mountain. And then, like, there's a bit of a, a, a few seconds of a delay. And you just hear another Yeti, Oh, wait a minute! Oh, no, wait a minute. Uh, no, never mind, it's too late. <laughs> that, I have to admit, I'll give some points. And I, I will give it that the, uh, you, the interaction between the Chatting Tatum Yeti and also with... Uh, the James Corden human, like when uh, James Corden faints and then like the Yeti tries to revive him, that I admit, like some of that interaction is actually pretty funny. Now, it is kind of stupid that they have to add the screaming goat in there because like we all know Ferdinand really ran that joke to the freaking ground. But other than that, uh, there are some funny moments, I'll give it. And I can imagine at the most it could be an enjoyable comedy, but... Yeah, this definitely does have a few problems, and I'm not too particularly excited to go and watch it, especially with the major issue with the animation, but who knows? This could actually turn out as an enjoyable film, and uh, maybe it's a little bit controversial, but I will say that it, it, this trailer is actually a lot better than, uh, than the one that came out this week with Venom. But yeah, overall, that's pretty much my thoughts on the trailer with Smallfoot. If you guys are interested to go and actually check out this movie for yourself and see if maybe you would agree with me related to the eye issue in Smallfoot, then all you have to do is just wait until the movie is released in theaters on September 28th. 
Okay, so for our next story that we have here, we're going to be talking about another animation studio that specializes in stop-motion animation, Leica. And it's been a little while since we've heard from Leica. Last time we've seen them, they've released Kubo and the Two Strings, which I don't know about you guys, but is one of the best animated features. I would even go as far and say is one of the best of the decade. But sadly, it didn't really do that well at the box office, which really is unfortunate because it really is something that people should actually go and watch. But after that, we don't really know what is going on at Leica, if they're still making movies and stuff like that. Considering that Leica's animated films, they don't really make much money, so we don't know what's happening with its fate. And then also, the CEO, Travis Knight, since he did such an amazing job at Kubo and the Two Strings, he was actually hired to go and be the director of the Bumblebee movie for the Transformers franchise. So we don't know what's going on. But apparently this week, uh, there is a little bit of light that's being shed of what's happening at Leica, and they are indeed working on another movie. And even with the little bits of information that we have right now, I'm starting to see a lot of people that are already sold to the idea. So what is going on is that Leica has actually teamed up with Annapurna Pictures. So Annapurna is actually going to be the distributors instead of Focus, uh, is it Focus Pictures or Focus Films or? Yeah, they're no longer going to be with Focus in terms of their distribution. And now they're going to team up with Annapurna in order to go and uh, create a movie that we only know now as Film 5. Now, Film 5 is not the official name of this movie. Film 5 only refers to the fact that this is going to be Leica's fifth movie, after that they've done Coraline, uh, The Box Trolls, Paranorman, and Kubo and the Two Strings, so it's made more like that. Now, the only things that we know related to Film 5 is the story and the stars of the film, which is, so far, an all-star cast. So, uh, reading from my source here in The Hollywood Reporter, it actually states that the story is going to be a globe-trotting comedy adventure bursting with humor, heart, and a profound message of acceptance and finding one's place. And in terms of the stars that are going to be in there, we actually have a cast that includes Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, and Zach Galifianakis. Now, already from there, it seems like a very appealing cast. And in terms of who's going to be working behind the scenes of it, it's actually going to be Paranorman co-director Chris Butler. So, uh, it is kind of, uh, a kind of a coincidence that this week that both directors of Paranorman, Sam Fall and Chris Butler, are actually currently at work on a new animated feature. And, uh, we actually do have a quote from Travis Knight regarding what is going on with Film 5, and he actually states that our next film represents an evolutionary shift for Leica. It's an exciting bridge to our future. Director Chris Butler and the Wizards at Leica have crafted a moving work of art, layered with wit and imagination and soul. Plus, it's really, really funny. It's a privilege to partner with Megan and her exceptional team at Annapurna to bring this beautiful original story to the world. And by Megan, he refers to Megan Allison, who is the head of Annapurna Pictures. So that's pretty much all the information that we know, that Leica is currently working on their fifth feature film, it has an all-star cast, and we know a little bit of the story, and plus the fact that 
Chris Butler, the director of Paranorman, is going to be back in the director's chair to work on this movie. And honestly, it does seem actually pretty interesting, and it does seem pretty exciting the fact that Leica, of course, is making another feature film. And from here, we can already tell that it does have a lot of promise, especially with the cast that would have Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, and Zach Galifianakis. Now, this is definitely a new direction for them to go. Now, beforehand, they do focus a little bit more onto the light horror aspect with movies like Coraline and uh, Paranorman, maybe a little bit with the box trolls. And yeah, I would even fit Kubo in the two strings as well, because there are some freaky moments, especially with Kubo's aunt. Uh, but the thing is with here, now they are being more serious with actually working onto a comedy adventure. So that's going to be the emphasis right there. And of course, that is a direction that they have touched upon before, because of course, with many of Leica's films, they do have small elements of comedy. Probably the closest that they've had with it is with the box trolls, because that one is more geared as kind of like an, an adventure and coming of age type of story more so than geared more towards like the light horror that they have already done with their other films. But with here, it, it does sound pretty interesting, and I am intrigued to see what else that they can actually go and do with this idea, especially with a cast that actually do know some comedy, especially with Zach Galifianakis. I mean, that the, like he's probably uh, the biggest expert in comedy among uh, the entire group, but we also have some very well-respected and uh, highly credited actors like Zoe Saldana and Hugh Jackman into the cast. But uh, there is also one thing that I would like to mention regarding film five, is that I do find it highly interesting regarding the information that we don't know. Because there are still a lot of things in here that they don't necessarily mention to us. And maybe, like, maybe this is just a crazy theory and I'm talking like a crazy man right over here. But I do find it intriguing the fact that nowhere in this article in The Hollywood Reporter or in any other article that would mention about Film 5, they never say specifically what type of animated film this is. They never specified if this is going to be a stop-motion animated feature. Now, there is a very high chance that, yeah, this is going to be a stop-motion film, of course, because it's Leica, and that's what they do. They make stop-motion animated films. But what I do find that is actually really interesting with this is actually the fact that it's not necessarily mentioned and this could be a chance that they would go and explore into other mediums. Now, I have heard talks beforehand that Leica is interested in maybe trying out other animation mediums. Like, they are intrigued to maybe try out a hand-drawn animated feature. So that could actually be the thing, is that there is a chance that this film 5 could actually turn out to be a hand-drawn animated feature. And it would actually be very interesting. And I can already tell that within Leica, they have some extremely talented hand-drawn animators in there. I have seen a lot of the film tests where they actually did some hand-drawn tests to see how many of the characters from Kubo and the, and the two strings would move. 
and it is beautiful. Like, we're talking about legit Disney quality right over here. And if this is, if that's actually the case, then yeah, this is really going to be exciting. And this is, and yeah, I think, um, uh, Travis Knight would actually be right when he says that it's going to be an evolutionary shift for Leica, where they're not just going to be catering to just stop motion. But again, it is just a theory. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I just do find it a little bit intriguing over the fact that they never really mention about which medium they're going to use for this film. But I guess for now, we'll just have to wait and see. They never really specified a release date right over here, which is actually interesting. Um, I, I thought they would mention when they're going to have this out, but uh, again, maybe like Chicken Run as well. Uh, this is another movie where we would expect to see it be released at the earliest 2020 or at the latest, uh, we'll see it in 2022. Who knows, but yeah, they got a pretty interesting project coming up. Okay, so for our next story that we have right over here, we are actually going back to the controversy with Apu Nahasapina Petalon from The Simpsons. Now, if you may recall, in a previous episode of the Animation Podcast, I discussed about the fact that The Simpsons actually made a response to the whole Apu controversy, and it really looked like crap. Like, really, they... they basically just said that they didn't really care about the controversy and all they said it, to quote Lisa in this case what can you do and from there it received a lot of backlash and even the controversy itself well it of course it is controversial where people are kind of split people do agree that Apu does seem like a stereotype in this day and age while others feel like it is a bit of an exaggeration, and it's kind of ridiculous to point out one certain character from The Simpsons to be an absolute stereotype, and they would label this just as first world problems. Now, this is a conversation where a lot of people do feel pretty split about the situation. However, as time would move on, it seems that the people who are working at The Simpsons uh, they are showing a bit of a different heart than what Lisa and Marge presented in that particular episode. Uh, not too long after that episode aired, uh, we got one of the showrunners, uh, I believe it is Al Jean, is it? Uh, yes, um, Al Jean said that um, he vowed that the next time that they do bring up this controversy, they'll try to make sure that they'll get it right. But then, this week... Um, Hank Azaria himself, the voice of Apu, actually came in and discussed about the situation in The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Now, the thing is, uh, Hank Azaria was mainly there because, uh, he was supposed to go and promote the new comedy, or the new season of the comedy, Brockmire. So he was just there to talk about that, but Stephen Colbert would go and bring up about the situation with Apu. Since, you know, it, it really, like, the controversy is really hot, and it would be important to have a word from the person who is delivering the words of Apu. And what he had to say is actually pretty interesting. And uh, to, uh, to go and read once again from The Hollywood Reporter, Hank Azaria said about the situation, 
Of course I understand. It comes to my attention more and more over the past couple of years. The idea that anyone young or old, past or present, being bullied based on Apu really makes me sad. It certainly was not my intention. I wanted to bring joy and laughter to people. And then he would go on and release a big quote. And really, this is kind of the highlight of what he is talking about. As he states, I've given this a lot of thought and I say, my eyes have been opened. I think the most important thing is to listen to Indian people and their experience with it. I really want to see Indian South Asian writers in the writing room, including how Apu is voiced or not voiced. I'm perfectly willing to step aside. It just feels like the right thing to do for me. So basically the big thing that people are highlighting is that Hank Azaria is open to no longer be the voice of Apu so that the controversy can be resolved, you know, to find a peaceful medium, a peaceful solution in order to go and have a more positive image towards The Simpsons so that it could be up with the current times so that it doesn't have to have this controversy anymore. So that's mainly the big thing with Hank Azaria and his comments with The Simpsons. Now, originally, I didn't really think about talking about this subject, and I thought I would let this slide and talk about one of the many other animation stories that did come out of it. But one thing that I did actually see that I thought it was absolutely stupid, and one of the main reasons why I want to talk about it is mainly because I actually saw a it was actually a tweet Coming from JonTron, you guys know the YouTuber JonTron, like, eh, and uh, probably the, the stupid, insane things that he has done uh, last year, where he actually commented about the situation and what Hank Azaria said, and he threw a temper tantrum. Like, he was legit pissed that this was going on and that the Simpsons are considering to go and try to make things right with the Simpsons and the Apu controversy. And he would even go as far and say that political correctness is the death of comedy. That he believes that the people at the Simpsons should not be doing that. They shouldn't give in to the Apu controversy because applying political correctness would kill comedy in general. And honestly, I thought that is the stupidest and most pathetic thing that you could ever say in there. Whatever that you could say about this freaking controversy. I mean, really? Oh, political correctness would kill comedy. For God's sakes, like, if you really do believe that you cannot make comedy with that, if you actually believe that there's no way that you can blend political correctness with comedy, then you are a bad comedian and you know nothing about comedy. I'm just stating that as a fact right over there. Because seriously, I, I mean, for God's sakes, and they say SJWs are the ones who would complain a lot. I, I mean, for God's sakes, re really? And, and especially the fact, what I find that is actually really stupid is the fact that you're talking about the freaking Simpsons here. This is a statement that I've said last time when I talked about this controversy. Like, keep in mind, all this is about The Simpsons. 
And I actually saw a meme on social media that really does perfectly summarize the situation and probably the ultimate comment that should make anybody against uh, the, well, people who are against the Apu controversy, like to have them shut up. It's basically to say that when you want to be mad about the fact about the, like when you want to be mad about the Apu controversy and want to attack those that support uh, Hari Kondambalu and stuff like that, but then you remember that, oh yeah, The Simpsons is terrible. And there's no, and like, you, they haven't seen it in years. And I'm just going to state this right now. Unless you are, like, the only reason why you want to go and defend the Simpsons and you want to be against the Apu controversy is mainly because of the fact that you are a huge Simpsons fan and you love the new episodes that are coming out every Sunday and you want to defend the show. If you're not doing this to defend the show, if you're not do if you haven't seen the show in years and you're attacking the Apu controversy, then your opinion is worthless. Just shut the fridge up, okay? You're just acting like a freaking idiot who's just complaining for nothing, okay? Like seriously, you have no purpose to talk about the situation if you yourself don't care about the Simpsons or you haven't seen the show in years. I'm just saying and in terms of uh, what Hank Azaria is saying in this situation here, um, honestly, you can tell that this is definitely getting a lot more positive feedback. I mean, sure, there are definitely a lot of people who are as mentally challenged as JonTron who would say stupid things like that. And by the way, like if anybody out there really does agree with uh, what JonTron says regarding like serious social issues, especially with uh, the live stream that he had with Destiny last year, then yeah, those are the kind. I'm just gonna say that those are the kind of people that seriously need med medical attention. They they have a serious mental problem in there. But uh, yeah, going. But yeah, there are those idiots out there that would be against that. But what Hank Azaria said, you could tell there is more of. Uh, you know, this got a lot more positive feedback. You could tell that this is someone who wants to make people like Hank Azaria is the type of person that wants to make people happy, and. The, like, he will admit if there is actually a problem, and, you know, I will admit, it actually is a bit of a bold move that he would step aside, like, he would sacrifice playing as Apu for the sake of, uh, you know, you know, for the sake of progress, for the sake of political correctness. I mean, you don't have to worry about uh, Hank Azaria, oh no, like, he's no longer going to be the voice of Apu, what is he going to do? Oh, I guess, well, you know, he'll voice the, the hundreds of other characters that are in Springfield, so really it's not, like, it's not, for him, it's not much of a sacrifice, really. But, you know, for the sake of this controversy, I will admit it is kind of a noble move. And as time would progress, you could tell that the people working on The Simpsons, especially like not just with uh, Hank Azaria, but also with uh, Al Jean, you could tell that they are starting to become a little bit more serious, that they want to try to resolve this in a more peaceful manner and more for the sake of, uh, you know, for, for The Simpsons to be in the times. Because arguably, The Simpsons should not be going long, uh, should not be going on as long as it is. Because the whole, because if there's one thing that this Apu controversy really is highlighting is the fact that The Simpsons really is starting to become a product of his time. And the stuff that they started a long time ago 
is now considered not okay. So that's pretty much the big situation that is going on right over here. Uh, you know, I, I do admire what the people at The Simpsons are doing. I mean, technically, the easiest answer is just to cancel The Simpsons altogether. I mean, nobody's really going to miss it, but still, like, I think it's more important to just, you know, like, the easy answer would be to cancel it, but if they are willing to accept change and to go and try to, you know, actually modernize The Simpsons a little bit so that it could be more accustomed to... Uh, our modern society nowadays, you know, it is a little bit more admirable. Honestly, I feel like I'll take this accept, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll accept this more as uh, an apology from The Simpsons than what they did last time when it's just Lisa saying, what can you do? So, um, this is, you know, honestly, I feel like this is actually more of a step in the right direction. So, uh, what are they going to do with Apu? How are they going to change the character? Or if they would ultimately cut off the character? I guess we'll just have to go and wait and see. And so finally, we shall now go and end things off with Animat's Pick of the Week. And for this week, I decided to go and discuss about a story that a lot of people requested me to go and talk about. Now, even though many of you guys might not end up going to Japan in your lives, this is something that a lot of people really want to see come into fruition. And what I'm talking, of course, is going to be regarding Ghibli Park, uh, which is the official theme park that are based on the films of Studio Ghibli. And what is going on is that uh, Studio Ghibli has actually revealed a lot of uh, concept art that is going to be Ghibli Park, which will be opening in 2022. Originally, it was planned for 2020, but they had to extend that for two years. But there is a major reason for that because they got major plans for it. Now, the first thing that I want to go and start things off is that uh, they have stated that the whole Ghibli Park is going to be set in Nagoya, Japan. And there is actually a major significance with Nagoya, Japan, because that is where the home of the 2005 World's Fair is. And the reason why that's important to know, because in Nagoya, Japan, during the 2005 World's Fair, they have actually made a full-scale replica of Mei and Satsuke's house from My Neighbor Totoro, which pretty much is, a, is exactly what you think it is. It's actually the same house that you saw from the animated film and you can actually go visit inside. Now, I just want to say right now that they're not going to be touching that house because that will actually be a part of the attraction. In fact, it's actually going to be an entire section where it's completely based on My Neighbor Totoro where it's going to be called Don Doko Forest. And the many other stuff that they do have prepared in there, it's actually going to be highly interesting. And the concept art, they feel like they are lifted straight out of a Studio Ghibli film. Where, um, I'll, I'll mention to you, I'll, I'll, like, you, you, sh you guys should seriously go and check it out for yourselves on, uh, like, if you go and Google Ghibli Park, you should definitely see the uh, concept arts. They really are beautiful, but I'll try my best to go and describe them. Uh, there's this one picture right over here where the where it says actually I'm gonna be reading from my source in uh, Kotaku where it states that um, the main gate should remind park goers of 19th century structures 
out of Howl's Moving Castle, as well as a recreation of Whisper of the Heart's antique shop. And then from there, there's an entire warehouse where it's completely indoors, but you do see a lot of different uh, buildings and structures reminiscent of various Studio Ghibli films. And uh, from there, they say that there's going to be a lot of exhibitions, uh, small cinemas, and even little play areas for kids. And speaking of play areas, uh, there is actually one that is entirely dedicated to Princess Mononoke, called the Princess Mononoke Village, where it looks like it's going to be set outdoors, and it's entirely encased in nature. And you see just kids climbing on to wild boars from the movie. And even one de uh, one boar that was uh, infected by a demon that you saw in the beginning of Princess Mononoke. It's now just been reduced to just being a plaything where kids can just go and climb up and have some fun on it. And uh, there is also another section which is going to be combining a few Studio Ghibli films into one, which, where it is going to be called Witch Valley, which is going to be a mixture of Howl's Moving Castle and Kiki's Delivery Service. And that is all that I got right over here. And, there, and also, I just want to mention, on top of that, you do actually see, uh, like, I'll, I'll mention a little bit, from the Witch Valley, you do see that there is uh, a mad teacup style ride that is reminiscent to Kiki's Delivery Service that's on the side right over there. And you do see in the background, um, if you may remember at the end of Howl's Moving Castle, uh, spoilers by the way, where you see the remains of the castle itself where it's only the top and uh, what's underneath the top, which is reminiscent of like a giant angler fish or something like that. And it, it really does look nice. And on top of that, you also do get a giant map of what's going to be in the warehouse and um, also what's going to be within uh, Ghibli Park. So that's pretty much the main thing is that you do see all these different concept arts and you do get a little bit of an idea of what's gonna be happening with Ghibli Park. And it does actually seem pretty interesting, but this is one of those things that after looking at this, it may not be as impressive at first, like when you think about the idea of a Studio Ghibli theme park, but the more you think about it, the more it actually does make sense. Because when you would think of an idea of a Studio Ghibli theme park, you wanna think about something that is really grand. Like think about, Disneyland style, like Disneyland quality attractions, like really big, really high budgeted and all that kind of stuff, but themed to Studio Ghibli. Like you want to be fully immersed into the world of Studio Ghibli. But what they're doing here is just a really simple approach. Like at the most that they got in terms of rides and attractions, it's just like little carnival rides and you got little play areas for kids. And that's pretty much it. But when you do think about Studio Ghibli films, it really actually does make sense because think about the stuff that they are highlighting here. Because what we see, it's mostly just a whole bunch of trees like in the uh, Princess Mononoke village. And you just see little villages scattered around that are based on like Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, My Neighbor Totoro, and all that kind of stuff. It's just really going that simple. But the thing with Studio Ghibli films, 
they really are simple as movies because these are slice of life films where you're just going to see characters who may have some extraordinary things in it, but they're just going around facing daily problems that you or, you or me would face on a regular basis. And on top of that, one major theme about Studio Ghibli is the environment. We all know how much of a crazy environmentalist uh, Hayao Miyazaki is and how much he loves nature. Like, he, if there's one thing he might love more than animation, it's nature itself. So, really, um, it, it really is a moment, and I think uh, it actually said so. I think it's in this article or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, it says here in the Kotaku article that the focus will be on bringing Studio Ghibli to life in a way that allows park goers to also enjoy nature. So in Ghibli Park, it really is something that should emphasize more on the park aspect more than Ghibli. So really is to go and, uh, you know, to have this little slice of life moment where you are just walking into a village that happens to be someplace that you know that you actually saw in a Studio Ghibli film. And, you know, I think, like, the more I think about it, you know what? That's actually perfect, because that's what Studio Ghibli films are. They're just simple slice-of-life stuff, and now that you've got a chance to go in a Studio Ghibli film, you get to experience that slice-of-life moment. So, yeah, this would actually work out by Im fully immersing yourself in a Studio Ghibli theme park. And, yeah, that you know, honestly, it sounds simplistic, but... It honestly sounds exciting at the same time. That's what Studio Ghibli films are. So, may, you know, it would be nice. It would be wholesome. And it, it just looks phenomenal. And just from the concept arts, I, I, I will say it looks absolutely phenomenal. And really, it's one of those things that if you ever go to Japan, uh, for any animation fan out there, it's one of those things that you gotta go and check out. So... Yeah, it actually does seem pretty exciting, and I'm really excited to see uh, what Studio Ghibli would have in store here. Now, of course, this is not going to be happening until a while. Uh, like it said, it's uh, it's going to have a release for 2022, but let's just wait and see what happens. And with all that said, that is all that I got for this week, so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. You can find more of my work at filmdashboard.com. All you have to do is search for Mathieu Brunet or The Animation Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Animat505. Now, if you have listened to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcast service, uh, do you mind doing us a little bit of a favor and go and rate and review this episode? That would be great. And if you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, then go ahead and hit that like button in our video and leave us a comment on your thoughts about the news this week. Now tune in next week for the latest episode of the Animation Podcast and all things animation. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, see you later, dudes.